Welcome to Mintel's Little Conversation podcast. Welcome to Mintel Little Conversation, where experts bring you fresh ideas and new perspectives on how consumers eat, drink, shop, groom, and think. I'm Dana Mackey, an associate director at Mintel, and today we're discussing the workplace preferences of the millennial generation. I'm joined by three Mintel analysts who are experts in the lifestyle space. We have Kristen Basil from here in our Chicago-based U.S. office, Carol Wong Lee in Toronto, and Jack Duckett calling in from London. Good morning, everybody. Morning. Good morning. I wanted to start with what I think is the most interesting perspective here from millennials of how they are thinking about and achieving work-life balance. I wanted to start with a U.S. perspective because I know we just did a lot of relevant and recent research on millennials here in the U.S. Kristen, do you want to give us a little perspective on what work-life balance means for millennials? Yeah, um, I think a lot of technologies have enabled work to sort of blend seamlessly with life, which is in some ways good, um, but in other ways, you're kind of always on call. Like if your boss can send you a Slack message after hours, then are you really working or are you enjoying your life? Um, But I think the idea, the perception of there being a balance is more there because you can leave the office at five, you just might end up doing a little bit more work later on. Um, But as we've seen in some of the data, I think millennials are cool with that because it's kind of who they are and they feel very tied to their jobs and their work as part of their identities. So they have work-life balance, even though they're working after hours, on their email all the time, on their phone? Do they feel like they're achieving this sense of balance? Um, Some probably do, uh, but then we've also seen an emergence of like this hashtag hustle culture and hashtag thank God it's Monday and it's okay not to have the balance, that it's all all work is fine because you're passionate about what you're doing um, and that's all that really matters. Um, When we asked millennials to rate people of their own age in relation to people of different ages. Um, They identified younger adults and teenagers as being cool and creative, and then the older baby boomers are financially secure and family focused, and then millennials were all by themselves just by like career focused, like we're not cool anymore, we're not financially secure, but we're career focused and someday we'll get there. (laughs) So they have this sense of hustle and maybe they're enjoying it, or maybe that's just where they need to be right now. I I wanted to talk a little bit across region about this sense of hustle, because it does seem like there's a little bit of millennial pride in that they're working harder than everybody else. Is that something you're seeing in Canada, Carol? For sure, actually. And it's it's interesting, because we're seeing a parallel in Canada in that, you know, the data really shows that millennials, for the most part, really do feel that they have a good work-life balance, but then when we dig into the data and we look at, you know, their lifestyles and things, we also see that millennials are the most likely to be struggling to get enough downtime, they're struggling for sleep, so they're really struggling in the realm of self-care. So I think there is this, like, there's definitely this hustle culture. We're, we're living our lives on display, that's one of our mental trends, and it, it really talks about how, you know, all aspects of our lives are on on display literally nowadays and what's happening is I think it's fostering this culture of yes I can have it all and with millennials being at the life stage that they are a lot of them are new parents they really do think that they can do it all and they want it all but at the same time they're struggling to find that balance so there's definitely pride in the hustle but then there's also pride in being I'm a mom I'm a marathoner and where's the balance so 
Yeah, I'm glad you brought up this concept of on display because I think that really is at play here because part of the millennial hustle is showing everybody else that you're hustling. Mm-hmm. So I think part of it is maybe a facade, but I'm also wondering, are millennials in denial? <laughs> are, they, are they achieving balance or, are, or is this part of the show, Kristen? Um, yeah, I think to a certain point, they're justifying the lack of balance um, by performing their passion for their work, um, that it's worth it just because, you know, I'm, I'm doing work I'm passionate about. Um, I think, speaking of mintel trends, uh, redefining adulthood is definitely an issue that millennials are, are grappling with and where the traditional signifiers of being an adult, like home ownership or having kids are definitely happen- happening later for them. Uh, right now they feel like they need, they can't afford those things. And so the way to be able to afford those milestones is to work hard now. Um, and so they're kind of embracing where they're at right now. Now before, I know that sometimes here in the U.S. when we talk about millennials, Kristen and I, it starts to get really dark really quickly because we talk about their financial situations and how they're really struggling to keep up and all of this. So before we go down that rabbit hole, I want to get (laughs) Jack's perspective from the U.K. if any of this is being reflected in what you're seeing. It is, yeah. No, this is very, very similar to what we have in the U.K. We have, uh, it's fascinating, just like Carol's look look at the data. You've got three quarters of millennials saying, yeah, I've got a good work-life balance. It's fine. And then they'll say, oh yeah, no, no, I do check emails in the evening though. And yeah, I probably work when I'm sick. And you know, there's times where I've worked on a holiday and you think, oh guys, that's that's not great from a work-life balance perspective, just to let you know. Um, so that's, that's definitely an equivalent we have here. It's hard to know what to do with that type of data. If you're a glass half full, glass half empty type of person, analyst, because in some senses, as Kristen said, there's a real enjoyment in that. There's a there's a showiness to being this this work hard, this this have this intensity about their lives. And I think, in many ways, we talk a lot about how social media is driving the experience economy. But actually, I think it is this um, this uh, almost back and forthism between between their intense working life and therefore their intense play life. I think there's there's a real stretching between those two poles and actually where we're seeing millennials really embrace experiences and, and you know the wackier the more unusual the better I think is them creating a polar opposite there I'm working really really hard how do I take myself out of this environment what can I do so you know they start absorbing at the top of the Empire State Building or I don't know <laughs> crazy things that really really bring to life that the time they're not spending at work so I think there's a bit of a, a bit of both things going on now yeah we had a trend maybe two years ago here at Mentel, and it was called Balance or Bust. And that's what it was talking about, is about finding balance by vacillating between two extremes, which is just (laughs) seems like a ridiculous way to find balance. But it is, it was like, I'm going to work really, really, really hard. And then I'm going to do some extreme form of recreation, which (laughs) I know is counterintuitive, but that was the way they were like achieving a middle ground. So I think maybe that trend is still happening, even though we're not talking about it as much. But something else that I wanted to touch on is, is this a millennial thing? I mean, we've been talking about social media and the ability to access your work email on your phone. Is this a millennial thing or is this something that everybody is now being forced to reckon with, I guess, across generations? Well, I think it's definitely something that it's, it's affecting all generations. I can't say it's specifically uh, millennials. I think, I mean, it'll be even more so for the Gen Z's coming up, especially now in a time where, 
you know, like I think you know, we're, we're talking about finding balance, but it, the, the role of the home itself is changing, the role of workplaces is changing. And what I mean by that is, you know, if you think about it, more people working from home means, you know, home is not just a place of rest anymore. There's also people who are renting out their homes for Airbnb. So it's now a place that you're making income. So I think like work also is shifting too. And we're seeing offices incorporate things like, uh, you know, shuffle boards or, you know, there's, there's different kinds of activities. People are having knitting groups in the offices. There's, there's definitely that bridging of the gap in between. And this is something that's affecting all, all, all generations. It's, the leaders are that are the, that are deciding to put in these uh, systems in at in the office. I feel like that was almost a shot across the bow to the U.S. office over from Toronto <laughs> because we both have shuffleboard in our office as well as a knitting group. I don't know if Carol, if you were aware of that. If you were, I think that was oh. definitely you were calling us out here. I did not. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we we are seeing that. I mean, I think most notably with Google. We want to keep everyone on our campus as long as possible. So how do we, you know, make the work environment more like the home environment? And I hadn't thought about this, Kira, but you're right. We're also making our home environments more our work environments. So I think there's so much blurring. How do you even create a sense of balance? Yeah, it's less the, the two dramatic extremes and more of just kind of a blending of everything together, like the emergence of the leisure trip, uh, where you're on a business trip, but then you add on a day and that becomes your vacation. Um, same idea as like getting your dry cleaning done in the office kind of thing. Yeah. So, I mean, just because we were talking about our work- workplace here, is, is there something that employers should be doing to recruit and retain millennial talent? Maybe aside from the, we've got giant Jenga here too, guys. We've got <laughs> Connect Four, Shuffleboard, Giant Jenga. But, uh-huh. but aside from, is that is that even attractive to millennial workforce? Do you think creating more amenities at the workplace or is this something that's just been overblown? I think there is uh, there is a demand for that, for that type of entertainment space within the workplace. I think um, people are are keen to see ways of of enjoying the workspace more. There's an acceptance. They're going to spend time there and they want to be able to enjoy it more. I think what's really perhaps is slightly unique, perhaps, perhaps it's a UK thing as well to millennials, but I think it's generally is that this statistically, I'm not, I'm not saying anything against previous generations, is, is uh, formerly the most educated generation that we've had in the UK. And with that, this huge push that came just as I was a child and I've really followed the system through is that as we've got older, we've been encouraged to follow a very formal training path, that is to take exams at certain times, to move on to university, to go into a, to a grad scheme or to an apprentice scheme. So our education, our approach to the world is really formalized and graduated. And I think that you cannot, I struggle with this a lot and I, I still do, you cannot jump from that, that, that very gradual and very incremental step into the working world. And when I got here, there was this real culture shock between people who'd been here for a while and who'd had this um, into the deep end work experience and a lot of millennials my age and starting to work saying, actually, I'm not prepared to accept it into the deep end. I'm sorry. I need some handholding. That's how it's been for the last 22 years. So I think, you know, so that's not a criticism of anyone. That's just a, uh, as, a, as an employer, I think in the workplace, the real thing is there's a desire for formal learning and there's a desire for, uh, for showing how things pace out, how the stages of how work develops. And I think those already exist in organizations. The previous generations have always demanded those. It just needs to be really clear now. Millennials love a plan and a pathway. And, and, and if, uh, if, if it's not clear, that's when they start to get a bit dis, dis, disinterested and sort of move on to, on to something else where they, they can create that plan, where they can plan things out and be a little bit more on, in charge of what's going on for them. I think that's, that's definitely here a trend. 
We asked uh, people of all generations here in the U.S. Uh, what qualities they would want in their ideal job. And basically, no matter how old you were, you wanted um, stability for several years and um, a general work-life balance. But then the millennials definitely skewed a lot higher for career advancement and a title that other people uh, might be impressed by. <laughs> so yeah, like they want to plan and to be working towards some sort of goal or achievement or the ideal title or whatever it is that they're striving for. I, yeah, no, I totally agree. And I think it's, it's actually interesting too, because on the one hand, you know, Jack, you're saying like, they, there's this, there's this real formal, formalized path that you know, a, a lot of us have been, have been used, used to following. And there's this demand for, you know, like, show me how to get there. Show me. And then, and then acknowledgement on the other hand, but then at the same time, you know, it, it seems like the younger generations, like a lot of us are not necessarily looking to stay 30 years at a job anymore. We're, we're not looking to be, you know, the definition of a lifer at a job today looks very different than it would have for the boomer generation. So I think it really is about getting the most out of it now. And this actually reminds me a lot of like what's going on in, in the retail sector where it's really about building relationships than it is about thinking about retention necessarily. So it's, it's, it's about treating people with respect now. It's about showing them how. It's about giving a little bit more, showing a little bit more empathy, giving a little bit more care, I think, to the person now and making the most of the moment now than it is um, necessarily, you know, we're going we're gonna to take you on this 30-year path. <laughs> yeah, we, we have seen, we get this stereotype a lot that millennials don't stay in their jobs and they're job hopping. And, and I don't think we've really seen that been proved out necessarily by the data, at least not here in the U.S. But I think to kind of what everyone was speaking to, it's about showing that there is a path for growth within a company to kind of keep someone here and offer them these learning opportunities to move up that ladder. But I also think there's not a very straightforward path anymore. There is no ladder anymore. People are moving laterally. People are going um, from different business units. So I think it is a little muddled because I feel like millennials are more likely to want to create their own path. So I don't know how much, how open they are to the being directed rather than giving them the option to have some self-direction. And kind of the reason I'm leaning towards that as well is Kristen mentioned the research here in the U.S. about the ideal job. And I think, Kristen, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think one of the things that millennials and the younger generation, Generation Z, was interested in is this like passion and purpose. They want to be working toward a goal that isn't just retirement, like 30 years down the line. They want to be working for something larger than themselves, and I think in this sense, the self-directed option works really well for millennials because they can find something they love about their job. Okay, it gives me an opportunity to volunteer or I'm working toward um, improving my credentials or whatever it may be, and that gives them something to rally around. Kristen, can you maybe speak to, was there generational differences here in the terms of where passion um, and purpose was important to millennials or is this something that everybody wants? Um, it was especially important to Gen Z adults, uh, which Mintel defines as age 18 to 24. So they're not as established in the workforce yet. But yeah, definitely like their number three thing on the list was work I'm passionate about. And like the majority said it was a must have. Um, but then you get to the millennials, uh, which we define as 25 to 42. And um, 
they want work they're passionate about, but like the ability to advance and um, especially for the older millennials to have flexible working hours and more flexibility so that maybe they can get home to their families. Um, those seemed a little bit more important um, once they have some perspective and they've been working for a little bit. But yeah, definitely work I'm passionate about is considered a must-have for at least, um, let's see, 53% of millennials that it was something they would require in any job that they had. So if this is more important to younger generation, Gen Z, or maybe even younger millennials, is, is this naivete? Is it, is it just idealism? Or is this something employers should be really taking seriously about is like, we need to refocus on our mission and our vision because this is what young employees want, or is this just, well, they're young and they'll grow out of that once they start getting a paycheck? No, I think it's something that employees really do need to pay attention to, because I do think it's something that, yes, while it's younger people that are following their passions, we do see now there's more seniors that are going back to work and working part-time just to keep following their passions and keep finding meaning in their lives. I don't know if it, it, it might be related to that on display trend where we're, we're all trying to live our lives to the fullest, whatever that means, whatever we choose to put on social media is what other people see. But I mean, I think that does drive a sense of I need to live my life with meaning and purpose and, and I, I want to do something that's interesting and meaningful. I was, I was thinking about, um, again, Carol, bringing up this on display trend in terms of you said something akin to living our best lives, which I just, to, to pick up on another phrase that's overused, I just can't. I, I just can't <laughs> living our best lives anymore because I feel like, particularly among millennial generation, there's so much pressure to be doing everything all the time very well. I look mm-hmm. great. I feel great. I eat great. I am on vacation. I'm also at work. I have a passionate, a job I'm passionate about. I feel like it's just too much. When are we going to reach this tipping point where we're not trying to achieve our best lives anymore? Yeah, <laughs> Is no. that a goal? I don't know. <laughs> but I feel like millennials are, are like they, they right now anyway, they are the generation that's like, that's going to be struggling the most because they're in this transitional state in life. They're becoming new parents. And so they're moving from this, like, oh, I want to do everything. I want to just do what I'm passionate about to realizing the real, the reality is like, I've got childcare to pay for. It's really expensive. I have to pick up my kid at four. How do I balance my, my work? But then there's also, so there's these traditional notions that we've all grown up with. And, and even within the household, still things are, we have data to show that, women still remain more primarily responsible for household chores. So there's these traditional influences that are also pulling millennials while they're trying to figure out, you know, what, how actually to live their lives with meaning, but then, but then be able to take care of the logistics. I think that is my primary problem with living your best life. I'm pointing <laughs> at everybody right now because it's no one can live up to that. And as you, as millennials are aging and facing more and more pressure, both financial and um, caretaking responsibilities, both for their their families, their kids, but also perhaps for their parents as well, I think it's be going going to become increasingly difficult for them to live up to this best life standard. And what a high standard we're setting! Your best life, the best. <laughs> um, and so I'm wondering if at some point we're going to see a little bit of of backlash here or or at least a reversal of this trend but 
then I'm thinking about, Kristen, this data that you have that says it's okay to be average and how nobody thinks that's okay. So I don't know. What do you think? <laughs> Baby boomers think it's okay. <laughs> um, this is where like we as analysts have a hard time. Like sometimes it's hard to know if it's age related or if it is that sort of the perspective that comes from the era in which one grows up because um, we're seeing for baby boomers yeah a job is just a job it's not who they are um, you clock in you clock out you don't work after hours um, it's okay to be average as long as you know you can enjoy your best life in retirement I think is what they're all mm. working for um, but the millennials have grown up with yes being on display and like um, to Jack's point, sort of optimized, like you, you go to school and you, you, know, you have to pass these tests and you have to be the best at everything and that's the only way you're going to be able to get ahead. And then when they all, all these perfectionists get out into the, the workforce, they're all, you know, competing with each other. And if you can't win at work, then you can win by living your best life because um, everyone gets a trophy. Yeah. So absolutely. In the UK, we talk a lot about burnout, millennial burnout. It's, it's, it's a major in, interest here. And I think that, um, you know, if we try and think that they say, don't put all your eggs in one basket, I think that millennials are putting a lot of eggs in a lot of baskets. I think, <laughs> to, to take that analogy a bit further, they, they, there's, there's so much going into every part of them, that, of, of their lives, that something's got to give. And I would suggest that, you know, to, to take back on, on Dana's point there, that work seems like the one that might have to give first. The reason being is that there are aspects of that are out of their control. It's relying on a very competitive workforce. You, you know, not just the UK, but the areas are diversifying in ways we've never seen before. Huge entries into the workforce that makes it ever more competitive. The education sphere, as they become more international, as, as you know, we're competing against a huge, huge range of skills and, 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 and different skill types now. And I think what comes with that is the, the pressure starts to ramp up. And I think as you start to barter and get your way along, you know, when do I pick up my kids? How do I keep, how do I get promoted? It's the first one that kind of has to give. Why? Because there is gonna be someone else who can fill, fill that gap. And I think the problem is, is that millennials with that structured upbringing perhaps aren't used to those gaps being there. We all move, we've all moved along in a very structured way and the workforce is adapting, I would actually suggest, but it's adapting in a slightly slower way. And so there are gaps, there are pitfalls to fall into. If you do need to try and create balance where you go and pick up your kids after a busy day of work or you have a doctor's appointment, someone will slot into that. And that's a difficult one. It's negotiating relationships, basically. And um, that's, you know, that's what we all have to learn. Maybe that is just a side of being millennials are still young. They're still working out relationships. But here is what I think is the fundamental problem with the concept of like taking your foot off the gas in the work sphere is that what we see is millennials are using, at least in the US, millennials are using their careers and their jobs as a way to define themselves and to present their own personal brand. So if you start to back off of that, then what do you have? I mean, yeah, like identity, I, millennial identity is a huge, huge topic. And if your identity comes from your, your job and you, you lose your job, that is a problem. That's, that's always been a problem. But I think, I think 
what I, you know, let's take a positive here, shall we? Because it's a bit depressing. Millennials are really adaptable generation. They're really good at moving with the times, adapting to what's next, mo moving along with things. I do think that what we see is constant reinvention for millennials and the way that, you know, they were taught by, by M M Madonna, the grand, the grand <laughs> millennial. She, 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 she gave us good lessons on how to reinvent oneself. <laughs> and the reality is, is that millennials follow that path. If the job's not working this way, how do I move on? That's, you know, that's, perhaps that's where this reputation of moving on comes from. I need this to work for brand me so do I make how do I find a job where I can have kids look this job's not working so maybe I go self-employed maybe I create a business of my own to balance my life millennials will adapt I think that's the great area of praise for this generation if something isn't working for them they will find a way to make it work for their lifestyle I think that's a huge positive and actually employers to take it back to to what Carol's saying that that's a huge opportunity for them you know you want an adaptable workforce that will go with things you can say to them look Will you go and work in the in the Chicago office for a period? Will you go work here, and and they'll make it work in a way that perhaps in the past we wouldn't have seen. That's what that's what's hopefully going to create better equality in future. This ability that millennial women are saying, look, I, I don't want to give up my career because I've had children. We can make this work better. Actually, I don't, we don't need to do that. I can go get a job, and and we can balance this. If you're not interested as an employer, someone else will be. I think that's a huge positive. That's a great point. Go ahead, Carol. No, it just reminds me of the trend that we have here called Challenge Accepted, where you know consumers today are really pushing themselves beyond their personal limits. But this isn't something that just applies to consumers. Like like Jack said, you know, this is something that employers have to do too to look at how they can best support their workforce to try on different challenges, to try on different job roles, or maybe different locations to to see what, what, what will work best for them and what will keep them happy. It's, it's something that we as a society actually have to be striving for is, is, is that adaptability and then adjusting for people to be adaptable. I think Jack, Jack's absolutely right. So as much as I tried to bring this conversation to a grinding halt with my very depressing views on millennial work-life <laughs> balance, I think this is a really good and positive note to kind of wrap it up on and actually something I hadn't considered, adaptability. And I, I took a note here because I, I do think that's something we can explore further. But I wanted to just bring it to a close in recapping some of the trends that came out of this conversation, because it wasn't something I'd planned on talking about coming in, but three of the trends that really we hit on today in our conversation about millennial work-life balance were on display. The concept that our lives are not just the physical and the tangible, but you also have this digital persona that you're nurturing in the online space. And this is particularly relevant for really all consumers, but consumers under the age of 45. So that would be millennials and Generation Z. The second trend that I've revived from the dead is balance or bust, which was a trend two <laughs> years ago, but thinking about all the different ways people are creating balance in their lives, whether or not that's through moderation, which we're seeing less of, or through balancing different extremes and taking a little bit of each of these extremes to create a little a little basket of, um, <laughs> of balance. And then the third one is the one that Carol just mentioned, challenge accepted, which we don't talk a lot about here, but I love this idea. It's about people stepping up to what the the opportunity presents with, with presents them and i think um talking about adaptability really works in this context of challenge accepted so i think those are three key mintel trends that we really pulled out of this conversation thanks for listening everybody make sure you subscribe rate and review this podcast on itunes or wherever you get your podcast content we'll be here next week with another episode of little conversation